Of course, the Lexus Golden Opportunity sales event is about exceptional offers, but it's also about the luxury of versatility and the freedom of a summer day coming together for you at the perfect moment. Lease the 2019 NX300 all-wheel drive for $369 a month for 36 months with $29.99 to a signing. Experience amazing at your Washington area Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer valid in the Lexus Eastern area only and in September 3rd, 2019. Woke up this morning insane. I'll be just fine, be just fine. Falling in love is all good. Better days coming this way. Butterflies all on my face. Love is a season. I'm feeling this way. Good morning and welcome to George's Jungle of Sports. And I am your host, George Jarjour. And we're coming at you live and direct from the Sound Life Studios in sunny Everett, Washington. Thank you for making us part of your day. We got a jam-packed show today. Um, a lot of little bit, little news, a little bit of a, some political news, and I'm giving you guys out my bottom five teams in the NFL. Gave you my top ten yesterday, but today we go in bottom five, the five worst teams after Week One in the National Football League. Really excited to be here today, Wednesday, a little bit of a slower day in sports. I know here during football season, we got a jam-packed Monday, we got a pretty jam-packed Tuesday, jam-packed Thursday, jam-packed Friday, Wednesday, middle of the week, a little bit of a lull, but that's not a problem. Um, but as we Before we get started, I just want to say this episode is brought to you by mybookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the number one place to bet. I do all my betting on MyBookie.ag. I am There are no big games to bet today. You got the Cleveland Indians, however, trying to win their 21st straight game. Can you believe that? 21 in a row against the Detroit uh, Tigers. They're up 4-1 right now with the bases loaded, loaded in the bottom of the third inning. We're going to keep our eye out on that game. It's a huge game. 21 in a row would tie the 1935 Cubs for the longest streak in Major League Baseball history. Pretty exciting there, and we'll find out if they actually go ahead and uh, beat the record or not. Um, tomorrow, today, they have a chance to um, take over as the tied and be the American League record at least. The bases are loaded right now, four to one. We'll keep our eyes out on that and let you know if they do score. Um, our first bet, big bet, a news is um, when Sammy says he bet on minus one point five on mybookie.ag. Go tribe. Um, yeah, if you go to mybookie.ag and use promo code COFFEE, that's right, COFFEE, C-O-F-F-E-E, -E, you'll get a 100% cash back bonus on your first deposit. Use COFFEE when you hear this show or Sammy, speak out with Sammy Jarjour, and then use code S-O-N-T when you are watching Sant Sports. You get a 100% cash back bonus. First bit of news, Odell. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., according to sources, let's read this article for you guys real quick. Um, hot off the tabloid siren because Beckham was spotted dancing in a club just days before he missed the Cowboys game against the Cow missed the game against the Cowboys, according to a report from New York's Page Six. Beckham spent Thursday night engaging in a dance-off with Oklahoma City Thunder point guard Russell Westbrook. 
from page six. New York Giant Odell Beckham Jr. and Oklahoma City Thunder's Russell Westbrook took things off the court and onto the dance floor Thursday night at Catch's NYC 6th Anniversary Bash. Spies tell us the football and basketball players had a dance battle as Wyclef John performed on stage. Cool. All right. So, look, Odell Beckham Jr. is a very talented wide receiver. He's a very important part to the New York Giants offense. But the guy's a fucking idiot. Like, I, I'm so sick and tired of Odell's antics. I have no problem with him dancing. I have no problem with him being on a dance floor, ever. But this time I do. Look, if you have a high ankle sprain and you're a uh, game time decision to play, being on in a dance-off on stage instead of rehabbing is probably not the place to be. I know I sound like an old man and I sound cliche, like, oh, he should be caring more about the game. This is not about that. I don't think his ankle has anything to do with him playing or dancing has anything with him playing or not playing. However, you got to be smart here. You remember last year you went on went on a trip to Miami. You were you were caught with marijuana on the boat. Not you personally, but there was marijuana on the boat while you're on the boat. And once again, no issue. It didn't affect the game or affect his performance. But why in the media capital of the United States and being the most recognizable athlete maybe in the whole entire city, do you need to constantly put yourself in situations where you become a distraction to your football team? Odell has repeatedly, he's gone to Miami. He's said, I want to be the highest paid player in the NFL. He does a dance off days before while he's on the injured list. Odell just doesn't get it. He's not the ty- one of the type of people to get it. And hello on Periscope. How are you? Odell's not the type of person who understands the pulse of the room. And in general, I don't believe wide receivers need to understand the pulse of a room. Quarterbacks, on the other hand, do. But this time, Odell, as the biggest story in New York, as the most important player probably on the New York Giants not named Eli Manning, It'd probably be important to get the optics. It's all about optics here. Understand that people are going to talk, and talking can bring negative energy to your team. Now, do I think it's a big deal, personally, as far as for his ankle and for rehab? (laughs) No, because I don't think a high ankle sprain is inducive to dancing. I don't think that he healed any slower or any quicker because he was out on a dance floor. But do I believe that he probably should have understood the optics in the room? And a lot of people will be like, oh, who cares about the optics? I mean, this guy's a young guy. He needs to have fun. And you know how people talk. No, no, you need to understand the optics. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play a football game. You're getting paid millions of dollars to be the face of the New York Giants. So rather than bring on negative energy and negative uh, press, be careful. I have no problem. Be at Catch. Catch NYC. Free plug for them there. Go. Enjoy it. Dance a little bit if you want in the back without anyone seeing you. To go do a dance-off with the other most recognizable person in the room in Russell Westbrook, 
You know tabloids are looking to write anything negative about you and your football team. And you know that the last football game you played, you dropped two huge passes in a playoff game. And people kept saying, well, that's because Odell Beckham Jr. was on a yacht party in Miami before the game. It had nothing to do with it. But optics, Odell, optics. I'm a firm believer that the optics matter in life. I believe that you need to know the pulse of a room. I believe you need to know when you are going to bring negative energy or negative press to you. Not everything you do is black and white. Here's black and white. Odell Jr. went dancing with his friend Russell Westbrook. No big deal, which it isn't. But now if you put it this way, the guy who made a media circus by going on a yacht party in Miami before a playoff game and then had a really bad game, has an injured ankle, and is kind of questionable for the game on Sunday. He might play. He might not play. But now, oh, he's dancing on the dance floor with Russell Westbrook while he should be checking on his ankle. Oh, and he missed the game. Oh, people are talking about Odell. Understand the optics in the room. It couldn't be more simple than that. If you can't understand the optics, you're going to keep bringing negative energy. You're going to keep bringing negative press. And people are going to continue to talk about you instead of talking about the New York Giants football team. And at the end of the day, Odell knows what he's doing. Odell is a attention whore. Odell wants all the press to be about him. And Odell... Frankly, I think was happy to see the New York Giants play the way they did on Sunday because at the end of the day, that just means more dollar signs for them. The offense looked inept, and Odell will be back on Monday night, and of course on Monday night football, huge stage, and he'll probably have a really good game. But, but once again, as I say, understand the optics in the room, Odell. You can't be out dancing with Russell Westbrook Three nights before the game, when you're supposedly having a high ankle sprain, the pulse. I'm tired of Odell. And if I was the New York Giants, I'd be tired of it too. I mean, the, literally, the play, before the playoff game, he brought negative press. Before this game, game one, he talked about, you know, before the season even started, about being the highest paid player in the league. And now, before the second game, week of the season, for a Monday night football game against the Detroit Lions. We're talking about why was Odell Beckham Jr. at a nightclub with a dance-off with Russell Westbrook. It's just not needed, and I don't think he understands the optics of the room. I think he's not a quarterback. It'd be even worse. So, on to our next story. All right. I don't know how many people have seen this. But Jamel Hill, who, whether you like her or not, is a very... She's talented, completely talented. We cannot deny that fact. Had some choice tweets about President Trump that um, I sort of take offense to, not just the tweets, but towards the reaction that ESPN had toward Jamel Hill. So first, I'm going to read the tweets just straight through. Then I'm going to read ESPN's statement about it. Then I'm going to mention what happened when Linda Cohn said something. Then we're going to dissect tweet by tweet. 
So Jamel Hill, during the Monday Night Football game the other night, tweeted, Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. Trump is the most ignorant, offensive president of my lifetime. His rise is a direct result of white supremacy, period. No, the media doesn't make it a threat. It is a threat. He has empowered white supremacists. He is unqualified and unfit to be president. He is not a leader. And if he were not white, he would not have been elected. Donald Trump is a bigot. Glad you could live with voting for him. I couldn't because I care more than just myself. And that's basically what Jamel Hill said. ESPN's statement on Jamel Hill. The comments on Twitter from Jamel Hill regarding the president do not represent the position of ESPN. We have addressed this with Jamel, and she recognizes her actions were inappropriate. Thank you, left-wing ESPN. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what Linda Cohn said uh, in an interview with the New York Post, Linda Cohn said, I believe that ESPN is getting too political and that some people have an issue with that and that's why some of her ratings have dropped. She got suspended. Uh, Kurt Schilling tweeted that he disagrees with the, um, the gender bathroom bill in North Carolina. He got fired. An announcer, I am blanking on his name right now, when Venus Williams rushed the net said this, and hounded her opponent, he called it the gorilla effect. Not gorilla, gorilla, like gorilla warfare. And he got fired because they said that was racist. And ESPN treats Jamel Hill like this. This is unfair. It is unjust. And it is flat, flat out stupid of ESPN. ESPN is basically telling everyone, hey, don't have an opinion if it's not completely left, left-sided. We can't live in a society where everything has to be a liberal point of view. Liberal, 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 liberal. We're getting away from freedom of speech. We're getting away from th- freedom of thought. And we're getting away from people actually feeling comfortable speaking out on their opinions. I'm sure a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump probably feel uncomfortable even saying they voted for him due to the backlash, due to being called racist or being called a bigot or being called a white supremacist. You can't live in a society where each and every person is completely and utterly scared shitless about speaking their own mind because of a backlash that might come. There are some good things on the left. There are some good things on the right. I personally did not, couldn't you know, muster the courage to go vote for Donald Trump because I had a lot of different opinions. I just didn't, I didn't find him to be, I don't know, I just didn't go vote for him. And when Colin Kaepernick had the audacity today to tweet at Jamel Hill, we stand by you, Jamel, with, with his uh, you know, fist up in the air like that. 
which is another just completely and utterly stupid thing that Colin Kaepernick has said or done. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, let's not forget, said he did not vote in the election. And then he says he stands by Jamel Hill. He stands for nothing. He stands for attention. I'm sort of tired of the Colin Kaepernick story. I don't want to get, make this a story about Colin Kaepernick, but Colin Kaepernick, once again, has re, has found a way to be silent about football, but come to the rescue when he's being a social justice warrior, when there's no reason to be a social justice warrior in this situation. I mean, it's, it's gotten pretty funny that you are not allowed to have any sort of right-wing thought. No, you have to, no conservative thoughts allowed in sports. Look, I have no problem with sports and politics, but you should be able to discuss both sides rationally and discuss both sides in a mature matter so you can, you know, grow as a society. And right now, that's not what we're doing. We're literally just pondering to the left wing and saying the left wing is right and everything else is completely and utterly wrong. And then um, let's go through her tweets one by one and just tell you why she's so ridiculous and doesn't know basically anything in Jamel Hill. Her first tweet was, Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. One, there is no proof that Donald Trump is a white supremacist. So basically, she's devaluing her argument from her first tweet. Look, the easiest tweet to send is one calling someone a racist or one pointing fingers at someone or one telling someone, oh, you're racist, you're racist, you're an idiot, you're an idiot without any facts. Donald Trump's not a white supremacist. Donald Trump is a white man. Donald Trump is a very rich white man. And Donald Trump is the president of the United States. And whether or not you agree with Donald Trump's policies or Donald Trump's way of doing things, that's fine. But to call him a white supremacist is lazy and is not a good argument. Her next sentence, who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. Okay. So I'm pretty sure Ben Carson, um, who is an African-American in his cabinet, is not a white supremacist. I believe his uh, son, son-in-law, who is Jewish, is not a uh, white supremacist. I believe he has an Asian woman on his staff. She is also not a white supremacist because to surround yourself with other white supremacists, they probably have to be white and not of color. So Jamel Hill basically is just telling us that she's stupid. I'm sorry, I, I have no respect for her after these tweets because if you're going to put out tweets and criticize someone, criticize them in a matter that you can make it seem like you are doing the right thing. And she's not. She goes on to say, Trump is the most ignorant, offensive president of my lifetime. I have no issue with that tweet. Look, if she's going to say that, that is her opinion. If she thinks he's ignorant and if she thinks he's offensive, she has the right to say that. No issue there. His rise is a direct result of white supremacy, period. Wrong again. Go look up how many Latino voters voted for Trump and look up how many African-Americans voted for Trump. Trump actually got a very large portion of minority voters. 
Um, so to say his rise is a direct result of white supremacy, period, is once again lazy and once again non-factual. Jamel Hill is shooting herself in the foot. She says, no, the media doesn't make it a threat. It is a threat. He has empowered white supremacists. Well, the media doesn't make it a threat. Um, and he is not a threat. And uh, unfortunately, this uh, you guys got to look at statistics here. 92% of murders in the African-American community are black-on-black -black crimes. So if any, if, so to say that the 8% is... A is the threat and that Donald Trump is the threat Jamel is stupid you, it's not a threat there is no threat from Donald Trump to you the next tweet she says he is unqualified and unfit to be president whether or not you agree with her she has the right to say that he is not a leader she can say that that's fine she can say what she wants and if he were not white he would never have been elected once again non-factual because he did run against a white woman jamel <laughs> i mean are you she, she she must be dumb and out of her gorge she might she must be stupid and if you were not white he would never have been elected well let me give you a little fun fact you know that the african-american voter turnout was 50 percent less in this election so if we we could easily come out here and say if Obama was an African American he may not have been elected. But then you'd be branded as a racist for saying that when it's not racist, it's statistics. They were no there's no direct correlation that if since Donald Trump is white, he was elected president because he ran against a white woman, Jamel. And guess what? I in my opinion, if you ran for president, Jamel, as an African-American woman in a liberal party, you'd probably win presidency because people would go out and vote for you and have more support. So I don't think Donald Trump won because he was white. He won because people didn't like Hillary Clinton and she was unlikable. And lastly, I think this is the last one. Yep, this is the last one. Donald Trump is a bigot. Well, thank you, Jamel. Um, that is an opinion. Glad you could live with voting for him. I couldn't because I cared more than just myself. Jamil, no, you care only about yourself. Then these tweets have proved it. Once again, you labeled him a racist with no evidence. You called him a bigot and people who voted for him a bigot with no, no, uh, with no basis. And you are saying that you are morally superior to each and every one of the people that voted for Donald Trump. And that's just not fair. Look, I am somewhere in the middle between Republican and Democrat. But I just don't think it's fair that we can just label people racist, label people as morally inferior to us because they voted for Donald Trump. And I believe that the real big issue here is that ESPN did not punish her for these tweets that were out of basis and out of no evidence. Sammy Georgeur says, labeling someone racist is not fair, like labeling someone a pedophile without fair reasoning. True. You are branding someone unfairly without direct evidence. Absolutely. I mean, his cabinet is full of minorities. AKA if Obama wasn't black, he wouldn't be elected. Then it says, to say Obama was not even from the United States, amongst other things, is okay, but everyone gets all up in arms about Trump. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying. 
actually same exact thing. If if someone comes out and tweets without evidence, oh, Obama is not from the United States. No, that's wrong. He is from the United States, and you should be reprimanded for that tweet too. Anything you say that is, has no factual evidence is wrong. I could come out here and say, oh, um, and there would be no problem with it. But for people who are like, oh, well, Barack Obama is a Muslim. There's nothing wrong with being a Muslim. But guess what? He's not. He's not a Muslim. So to label someone something he is not is not right and not fair. So I think we should get all up in arms on Jamel Hill's tweets. We should get have gotten all up in arms when Donald Trump, before he was running for president, was saying that... Uh, you know, oh, Obama's not from the United States. He's from Kenya and birth certificate. These type of things, tweets without factual evidence are completely wrong. And that's just my, once again, my opinion. But I just don't think labeling someone as a racist. And let's not forget that Donald Trump was a, uh, was a liberal. He was a Democrat. And the only reason he ran Republican is because he knew he could win as a Republican. But he was a Democrat. And Jesse Jackson, go look it up. Look up Reverend Jesse Jackson praising Donald Trump about six years ago about how much he's done for the African-American community. So we can't sit here and say he's a racist. Maybe Jamel Hill is the actual racist. Then it says, true, Sammy, but if every president before Obama wasn't white, they won't have been president. Well, we don't really know that because Obama was the first African-American to run for president. And I don't believe, personally, I don't believe he won because he was African-American. I believe he won because he was the best candidate at the time. Now, did more African-American voters come out to vote during Obama than Trump? Absolutely. But he resonated with a large amount of people and... I believe that Barack Obama's campaign is one of the best campaigns I have ever seen, and I think we'll see in modern day history. He was the first to use social media, et cetera, et cetera. But to not get too far off the point, I believe that any labeling without direct evidence is very dangerous in this world, and we're getting to the point where it is getting harder and harder for us to have for people to have a voice without feeling like their voice is going to be called racist. Because if someone came out and said, hey, Jamel, uh, I voted for Donald. Oh, you're racist. Well, no, I'm not racist. So we have to be careful about labeling each and every person who voted for Donald Trump or even calling Donald Trump a white supremacist, which he's not. It's proven facts. Like if you, if Jamel Hill wants some proven facts and, so, and Colin Kaepernick while we're at it, he is not a white supremacist, guys. Think about it. His his look, white white supremacists would be uh, would never let their daughter marry a Jewish guy, right? Through food for thought, they probably wouldn't put an African American or an Asian on their uh, cabinet, right? She said he was surrounded by white supremacists. She's wrong, and Jamel Hill should be reprimanded by ESPN for this. Sammy Georgeur says, yes, he was the best candidate, but still it's the same thing to say Trump wins because he's white. Yeah, no, no, it's the same thing. I know. We're saying absolutely. I completely agree with you. Then it says, then why was the slogan to take our country back and make America great again? 
why was his slogan that he was talking about the economy venice and i i don't like a lot of what donald trump's done he actually hasn't done much but you have to remember when he's saying make america great again it was first of all a slogan that people caught on to and number two he wasn't talking about race he wasn't saying oh we're gonna make america great white again because america shouldn't be white america's been built on immigrants from african-american asian-american myself syrian uh middle eastern white latinos there's so many different you know races here in the united states what he meant by that was not to make it white again but and at the end of the day whether or not you like him the stock market is up right now he hasn't done much hopefully we can get a little bit of a tax cut that he's trying to pass and then we can move on from there. As long as we're avoiding war and the stock market's up and we can pay less taxes, we're in a good place, guys. So, no, he is not a white supremacist. All right, moving on to our bottom five NFL teams. So, we're going to go team by team. We're going to go um, from the fifth worst all the way to the worst team. So, basically, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. That's how we'll label it. Or we'll just label it fifth but worst team. So our fifth worst team in the National Football League is the Cleveland Browns. Look, the Cleveland Browns had a lot better game um, than uh, people imagined. They lost 21-18 to against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But at the same time, they didn't really move the ball. Their offense did look inept. They had 10 points going into the fourth quarter. And they scored a garbage touchdown and two-point conversion before the fourth quarter uh, ended to cover. Uh, some some highlights for them. Deshaun Kaiser looked better than expected. 20 for 30, 222 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Corey Coleman being healthy looked pretty good. Uh, five receptions, 53 yards. As usual, their defense is... Uh, the defense was missing a player in Miles Garrett. We don't know when he's going to be back. Number one overall draft pick. But he did look like uh, they did look like a little bit better on the offensive line as well. And their running game looked a little better. So I think we're looking at a good trend. I think they're going to be frisky all season. And I think we might see a little bit better of a Cleveland Browns team than we have in years past. Our fourth worst team in the NFL is the Chicago Bears, and they cannot catch the ball or catch a break. Unfortunately, uh, Kevin White looks like he broke his collarbone and will be out for the rest of his season. And the Falcons defeated the Bears 23-17. I believe that the Bears are the fourth worst team in the league, and they're going to be in a lot of close games, but they're not going to get the job done and win many of them um mike lennon did go 26 for 40 for 213 yards but he got, did get sacked four times behind a very good offensive line so he held on to the ball a little too much he also had a fumble that they recovered the bears defense though did hold the falcons to a to 23 points which is a lot less than the atlanta falcons are accustomed to scoring uh, but I have the Bears as the fourth worst team in the NFL. I got a, We got a comment from Sammy Michael before we get to our bottom three teams. Sammy says, I'm at the point where I wish someone would just pick up Kaepernick so all the bullshit talk about him 
not getting on a roster would end. I mean, can we move from a third-string quarterback already? He ain't that good, and if Sherman and Bennett were less players, they wouldn't be on a roster either with all the drama they bring. But luckily for them, they are talented. And I completely agree, Sammy, but I don't want him on the roster. I, I believe... Um, I believe that Colin Kaepernick is just too much of a distraction for too little of production. So you let's say unless he goes to Indianapolis where he'll get the starting job until Andrew Luck is back. If he's going to be a backup quarterback and we have to talk about it, why do we need to talk about our backup quarterback? I like the Seattle Seahawks backup quarterback, Austin Davis. Why? Because I never have to talk about him. I like um, a bunch of teams' backup quarterbacks a lot more because we do not need to even mention them in any breath or sentence. And that's what I like about backup. Uh, I know it sounds bad, but be seen, not heard, is what we need from backups. Sammy Michael says, George, do you think Kaiser is a long-term answer in Cleveland, or is it er too early to make that decision? I think it's a little early to make that decision. I do like what we saw out of Kaiser in week one, but is it too early to make the decision? Yes, it's a little too early to make that decision, but... Could he be the long-term answer? Absolutely. And we'll find out throughout this season. Um, if he is the long-term answer, they won't finish with the bottom three records in the NFL. And we'll have an opportunity to go get a top-end quarterback. Because we do we do know we have three quarterbacks in this draft that should be fantastic in um, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Uh, as long as they don't finish in the bottom five, six in the league, they probably won't get any of those guys. So that means Kaiser did enough to win them some games and become a long-term answer. But only time will tell. Our 30th worst team is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I had a little bit of trouble putting them between 30 or 31. Um, Scott Tolzien looked god-awful. I don't think you can play that much worse of a game than Scott Tolzien did. He went 9 for 18 with two interceptions, got sacked four times. He had a QBR of 6, which is uh, less points than they actually scored. Well, a little less than they scored. The running game couldn't move the ball on the ground. Uh, they had 3.1 yards per carry. Not many bright spots for the um, Indianapolis Colts this week, and I don't believe the Indianapolis Colts – I mean. It just shows how valuable Andrew Luck is because I think if, if Andrew Luck plays that game, they win. And it shows how important it is to have a good quarterback in the NFL. You need to take care of the ball. You need to be able to move the chains. And without Andrew Luck, the Indianapolis Colts are the third worst team in the NFL. My second worst, second worst team in the NFL goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Look, um... They did nothing on offense at all. And now that might be a lot to do with the really good defense that the Carolina Panthers bring. But at the same time, when you have a Kyle Shanahan offense, and Kyle Shanahan is, you know, coming from Atlanta, is familiar with the schemes of the Carolina Panthers defense, you'd expect more than three points. Brian Hoyer had a bad game, got sacked four times, no touchdowns, one interception. They can only average 3.4 yards per carry, and they didn't. I mean, they did hold Cam Newton to and company to 23 points, but I feel like they got the those points whenever they wanted to. Um, look, San Francisco might get better throughout the season, uh, but with Brian Hoyer at the helm, I don't believe this team can go anywhere. And I have them as my second worst team in the NFL. 
And I believe they want to be that bad. I believe they want to go get one of those top three quarterbacks next year in Rosen, Darnold, or Allen. And this is one of those throwaway years for Kyle Shanahan and company. And my worst team in the league goes to the New York football Jets. Uh, God, I mean, they mustered out 12 points and a very lackluster 12 points, if you really think about it. Four field goals. Uh, Josh McCown... uh, (laughs) McGowan went 26 for 39, 187 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. They averaged 2.5 yards per carry. Um, their leading receiver was Jermaine Curse, who they just traded uh, for Seattle with. And just this team looks inept. They lost two fumbles. Uh, th- this team is just god-awful. Their coaching staff is god-awful. And I believe the Jets don't win a game this year. I mean, when, where will, when will the New York Jets win a game? If you go through their schedule, they have a couple places where they might win a game, but those teams looked a little better. And they got at Raiders, Dolphins, Jaguars, who beat Houston at home, at Browns, who looked better, Patriots, at Dolphins, Falcons, Bills, at Buccaneers, Panthers, Chief, at Broncos, at Saints, Chargers, Patriots, the rest of the way. This team could, Gang Green can easily go 0 16, and that would not shock me if they do. Uh, I believe this team is going to continually be the number one worst team in the NFL on my top five worst teams in NFL rankings each and every Wednesday. So enjoy it, Jets fans, because I think you're going to get your quarterback of the future and coach of the future next season. A couple more storylines. Number 30, the Colts. I believe they're going to fire Chuck Pagano. There's some rumors going out that Jim Harbaugh could be a potential candidate to join the Indianapolis Colts as head coach next year. They're going to make a call to him. That'd be great. Reunite Jim Harbaugh with Andrew Luck. And I believe the Colts rebuilding will not take that long. Look, they have a good GM. This GM didn't hire Chuck Pagano. So he has no loyalty to him. So once again, my top five worst team. Browns as my fifth worst. Bears as my fourth. Colts as my third worst. 49ers as my second worst. And Jets as my worst team in the NFL. Moving on to our weird news of the day. Let's see what we got here. You guys are going to like this one. A man makes $15,000 a month by cooking Chinese food in Morocco. Well, that sounds good, right? I mean, who doesn't like Chinese food and who doesn't want to go to Morocco? A Chinese man is making good money for cooking traditional food at a Chinese restaurant in Morocco. Wang Luping, a native of Zhejiang province in eastern China, earns about 15500 a month or 100000 yuan for running his Great Wall restaurant. According to China News, Wang serves Sichuan dishes to Chinese tourists in the country, which only started accepting them without visas in June 2016. Before the visa-free policy, less than 1,000 Chinese tourists visited Morocco, Wang said. Now he estimates a six-fold increase. He opened the restaurant in January as Chinese tourists often find it challenging to adapt to the local food in Morocco. Fortunately, Wang goes to a local vegetable market first thing every morning to pick out the freshest ingredients. Wang decorated the restaurant's interior with Chinese elements such as couplets, lanterns, and old-fashioned wooden armchairs, China Daily noted. It's not just about Chinese tourists, however. According to Wang, 
people in Morocco are also excited about learning Chinese. Interestingly, there are those who ask them random things about China, which makes them feel good. This is a very horribly written article, but um, a very interesting article. So this guy was pretty smart here. He realized that, oh, wow, now you can be visa-free tourists from China to Morocco. Morocco will be a cool place for Chinese people to visit. Let's open a Chinese restaurant here. And he did. And I love this. It's just an entrepreneurial spirit. This guy knew that if he opened up a Chinese restaurant in Morocco, that Chinese people visiting Morocco don't give a shit about the local Moroccan food and want to eat Chinese, which is kind of funny to me. I mean, if I was going to Morocco, I'm not going to look for hamburgers and french fries or pizza. I'm going to get some Moroccan food. If I'm going to Italy, I'm not looking for a hamburger and french fries. I'm looking for, you know, pasta. Going to France, same thing. But it looks like the Chinese tourists care a little bit more about eating Chinese food than trying the local dishes. I don't know. For me, when I travel, I love eating the cultural food, doing the cultural thing inside that uh, country. But this, these people, they don't. I guess they don't care. What do you guys? Do you guys care? Because I think that it's more important to try the local cuisine of Morocco than eat Chinese food. I might move to Morocco and open a Chinese restaurant. I just don't know how. And I don't look Chinese. I'll hire some people to open it for me. Why not, right? That's a good business idea, though. 15000 a month is not bad, especially in Morocco. You know how much 15000 a month probably takes him in Morocco? He's probably doing really, really well for him. Good job, man. I like how it's, the, the name is Man Makes Over 15000 a Month by Cooking Chinese Food in Morocco. The Great Wall Restaurant. If you're ever in Morocco, guys, it doesn't say what city it's in. But if you want some great Chinese food in Morocco, go to the Great Wall Restaurant. All right. So our last story of the day before we recap everything. Um, we wanted to kind of, we we're going to talk about this on me and Sammy's show this morning. But we never got to it because we got stuck on a couple other topics. But uh the biggest college football game of a weekend is Clemson at Louisville Saturday night. Um, this is number, I think, 14 Louisville playing number two, three Clemson in the ACC matchup, uh, which is going to be the best game of the day and maybe one of the better games of the season. I think we're underestimating how good of a game this is. Louisville is a three-point underdog at home. Clemson is a three-point favorite on the road. Um just crunching the numbers for a moment. Clemson is receiving 74% of the bets, while Louisville is receiving 26% of the bets. And the line has not moved one iota, which gives us an indication according to the markets and according to the way we bet, which is reverse line movement or stagnant line movement, to go and bet on Louisville plus the three points at home and hope they cover or win the game. Kyle Wagner says, hi. What's up, Kyle? Hope you're doing well today, my man. Uh, Lamar Jackson so far this season through two games has eight total TDs. According to Vegas, he is now the second favorite to win the Heisman Trophy after Baker Mayfield. Um, he can probably propel himself right back into the favorite spot with a big game this week. Um, 
Look, last year versus Clemson, uh, in one of the most exciting football games of the season, Louisville lost 42-36 to in Clemson. Um, but Jackson rushed for 162 yards and had two touchdowns and passed for 295 yards and had one touchdown. I mean, that's close to 362, 462, about 450 yards total offense and three touchdowns. If he puts up similar stats to that at home this year, I believe they get the win. Um, another similar game was the year before uh, LS Louisville played Florida State last year in in Louisville. Florida State was ranked number two at the time, and Louisville ran them out of the building with Lamar Jackson. They beat FSU sixty-three to twenty at home. Uh, and Lamar Jackson had 216 yards passing with a touchdown and 146 yards rushing with four touchdowns. Just goes to show that Lamar Jackson is very, very good. And it looks like Lamar Jackson has showed up on the big stages early in the season. Last year, he kind of died down late. And I believe he's that type of quarterback. I think over a period of time, he will die down. But at the beginning of the season and only the third game of the season, I love betting on Lamar Jackson. Some other notable games in the college football schedule coming up next week. Miami-Florida State got postponed due to Hurricane Irma. Uh, Oklahoma goes to Pitt in a pretty good game. Oklahoma should Oklahoma State, I'm sorry, should take care of business. UCLA at Memphis. UCLA is only a three-point favorite. This is a trap game, in my opinion. I like Memphis here. Um, some more notable games. Tennessee at Florida is going to be played as scheduled in Gainesville. Uh, Florida is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in a battle of SEC East. And the opening game of the SEC East, uh, that's going to be on CBS. Pretty good game. Uh, some more notable games. LSU at Mississippi State. I think LSU is the second best team in the SEC, so this game will be very interesting to watch. And Texas at USC is another interesting game. Uh, look, if if USC wins this game, I think they're home free uh, until maybe even the Pac-12 championship, other than their game against UCLA or maybe Wazoo. But, I mean, if USC wins this game, they escaped a pretty tough first three weeks of Western Michigan, Stanford, and Texas. Then they go two at Cal to be 4-0. And then mark that September 29th, Friday night, at Pullman on ESPN as the game to watch. I think they lose that game. And they could lose at Notre Dame, and they can lose versus UCLA. But other than that, they have three games, which will be favored in all three of them. But three games where USC could have potential road bumps to a perfect season. Um, I like USC, but we'll see how Clay Helton and staff have them prepared for that game. But the Texas game is at USC, so they should take care of business there. And that's my college football. Just real quick preview of the week. Let's get into our recap show real quick. Recapping show recap for y'all today um pretty simply a little bit of a slow day in sports wednesday during football season is never really the most 
exciting day. Everyone is just waiting for Thursday night football and Friday football previews. So we sit here. We wait patiently as Wednesday moves forward. Uh, all right. So let's see. We talked earlier about Odell Beckham Jr., uh, for those of you just tuned in, Odell Beckham Jr. was caught dancing Thursday night uh, in a dance-off with the one and only Russell Westbrook. Kind of disappointed in Odell Beckham Jr. I just don't believe he understands the pulse of the room. And what I mean by that is, look, you should probably know that people are going to try to find anything against you, Odell. And when people are trying to find anything against you, the last thing you want to do is to be out uh, with you know, Russell Westbrook and being in a dance off. Do I have a problem with him being out? No. Do I have a problem with him being out doing a dance off? Yes, because we know how the media likes to attack and try to find anything on Odell Beckham Jr. Before the season, Odell said he wanted to be the highest paid player. Before the last time we saw Odell Beckham Jr. on a football field that was not a preseason game was the one after his distraction game in Miami. Everyone was talking about it. He drops a couple big passes, and then now he is here doing this. I, I believe Odell Beckham Jr. just doesn't get it. Think about it. Odell is all about Odell. Odell wants his damn attention. He has to kick you know, field goal nets. He married a field goal net. He has to be, talk about being the highest paid player. He has to do a dance off with Russell Westbrook. He has to take a picture on a yacht party in Miami. He needs to learn to lay low. He needs to learn not to be a distraction. He needs to learn to get the pulse of the room. Now, I'm more, I take more issue with it if he was a quarterback because they're the leader of a team, and Odell is definitely not the leader of the New York Giants football team emotionally or even verbally. But at the same time, there's no reason to bring negative attention to yourself or to your team knowing that I have a high ankle sprain. I'm supposed to be hurt, but I'm good enough to do a dance-off at a nightclub. It's not, and you know, New York. It's not like he was at the nightclub, you know, uh, at, you know, 10.30 p.m. These nightclubs in New York are 1, 2 in the morning. He's supposed to be rehabbing, getting ready for the game. And the best part is he... He was online. He was like, oh, yeah, I've spent 24 hours a day rehabbing, getting ready for the game. Just couldn't make it. Really? Really, Odell? That's what you were doing? No. You were doing a dance-off at Catch NYC. Hope you enjoyed it. And hope you enjoy all the negative media attention that's coming your way. Our next part of the show, we talked about Jamel Hill's tweet regarding Donald Trump. Let me read them and ESPN's reaction. I'll read those out loud to you one more time. Jamel Hill tweeted, Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. Her second tweet said, Trump is the most ignorant, offensive president of my lifetime. His rise is a direct result of white supremacy, period. She went on to say, no, the media doesn't make it a threat. It is a threat. He has empowered white supremacists. He is unqualified and unfit to be president. He is not a leader. And if he were not white, he would not have been elected. That's a lie. Donald Trump is a bigot. Glad you could live with voting for him. I couldn't because I cared more than just about myself. 
ESPN put out a statement saying the comments on Twitter from Jamel Hill regarding the president do not represent the position of ESPN. We have addressed this with Jamel and she recognizes her actions were inappropriate. She did not get suspended. However, a few months ago, Linda Cohn on in an interview said, I believe ESPN as a company were getting too political and I believe that's why ratings are down a little bit. She got suspended. Kurt Schilling shared his opinion on transge- transgender bathroom law bill in North Carolina. He got fired. Another man at ESPN announcing Serena Williams' tennis match when she rushed the net said guerrilla warfare. Warfare. Like she's doing a guerrilla warfare tactic. He got fired for because they said it was racist. Um, you can't fire people for that and then not reprimand Jamel Hill for this. Uh, just my quick opinion. Uh, I don't like labeling people as a racist. I think it's lazy unless they actually are a racist and you have evidence that they are. Donald Trump is a white supremacist is not true, nor is it true that he surrounds himself with other white supremacists. Because I think Ben Carson, who's African-American, would be surprised to find out that he was a white supremacist. I believe his uh, son-in-law, Jared Kushner, I believe I pronounced that right, would be surprised that he's a white supremacist when he's Jewish. His daughter converted to Judaism. She'd be surprised to find out she's a white supremacist. And his grandkids would also be pretty surprised to find out they're white supremacists. She goes on to say he's the most ignorant president of our lifetime. These are all, you know, opinions which more than entitled to have. And I believe that she went a step too far by calling him a bigot and saying he was racist. Because that's the most lazy argument you can make is saying, you're a racist, you're a racist, you're a racist. Okay, give me some evidence. There's none. But calling person people racist is just not right. Um, I give you my bottom five NFL teams. Um, our, our bottom five NFL teams, once again, were my fifth worst was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, even though they do look better and they look like Deshaun Kaiser, could have a pretty bright future here in the NFL. My fourth worst team was the Chicago Bears. I wish they could catch a football because then they could have beat the Atlanta Falcons. They dropped a couple passes that could have won them the game. Uh, my third worst team is Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they just look god-awful with Scott Tolzien at center. Um, they need Andrew Luck back. I think he is one of, the mo- one of uh, if not most, valuable players in the league because when he's playing, they're a completely different team. Uh, my second worst team is the San Francisco 49ers. They just look inept on offense. They can't move the ball. Their defense has some bright spots, but they are just not good at all and my and my number one worst team in the national football league is the new york jets um the new york jets are just god awful god they're the worst sammy says colts are worse than browns to me at this point without luck oh yeah absolutely that's why i have them as my fifth worst team i have the colts as my third worst team and have the jets as my number one worst team they can't move the ball they have no quarterback their defense is subpar they turn over the ball a lot. They have no weapons. They can't run. Their offensive line is not that good. That, you can't get worse than the New York Jets. Yeah, Sammy said he heard the order wrong. My bad. Oh, it's all good, man. So, yeah, fifth, once again, guys, to recap, fifth worst is the Browns. Fourth worst is the Bears. Third worst is the Colts. Second worst to me is the 49ers. And worst is the Jets. 
Sammy says Colts may be worse than the Jets. And Sammy, you may be right. <laughs> um, but that's just how I have the order right now. I think the Colts at least have someone like T.Y. Hilton who can stretch the field. While the Jets have no playmakers, nor do the 49ers. Jets were in a nine-point Yeah, this is a good point. Yeah, I, just, I guess when I look at the position players, I'm just like, God, there's no weapons whatsoever on the Jets or the 49ers. Lastly, we talked about the Louisville-Clemson game. I like Louisville to win this game. I think they're good at home in big games, especially early in the season while Lamar Jackson is still healthy and has fresh legs. I don't know. Maybe last year, towards the end of the season, Lamar Jackson wore out based due to how much he ran the ball. Sammy says, team-wise, I agree, just based off last week. Uh, yeah, so I like. we'll preview them more on Friday, but I do like Louisville plus the three points to cover and I think to win the game, but I have them at least covering. And we've been coming at you live and direct from the Sant Live studios in sunny Everett, Washington. Thank you for watching on Facebook.com slash Sant Live or Twitter, which is Periscope.com slash Sant Live. Thank you for making us part of your day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, me personally tomorrow, but Sammy at 12 o'clock with Speak Up with Sammy Jarjour. Uh Join that show. You'll love it. Download our podcast on the iTunes or SoundCloud, both at Sant Live. Download, re leave a review. We love it. Thank you so much for watching, and this has been George's Jungle Sports. Stay safe out there. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 US only. Man, how can you afford gas for that big SUV? I pay less for gas than everyone else. I got the free Get Upside Gas app and get up to 25 cents a gallon cash back every time I buy gas. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You get up to 25 cents off a gallon with the free Get Upside Gas app while I'm paying full price? You know it. People earned over a million dollars last year. You just got to take a picture of your gas receipt and bam, up to 25 cents a gallon cash back. You don't have to tell me twice. I'm downloading the free Get Upside Gas app now. Download the free Get Upside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code NEXT for a 20 cent gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 45 cents a gallon on your next tank. Just download the free Get Upside app at the App Store or Google Play and use promo code NEXT. Save money on gas on every fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code NEXT. That's N E X T.